This is the Creator Smarts Podcast, the number one podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following to build a smart and future-proof education business. I'm your host, Jan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan here and you are listening to episode 163 of the Creator Smarts Podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk about scaling your creator business in a way that doesn't require you to be on camera. Almost sounds like an impossible job, but there's actually a few examples of people who've done this. And um, I'm going to share with you some ideas of how you can do that, right? But first, I'm going to give you some context. So here's the backstory. I went to Vet Summit a few weeks ago. This is uh, an event taking place in LA once per year. Next year, it's actually going to be somewhere else. It's going to be in Dallas. But it's a summit for the biggest YouTube creators on the planet. Mr. Beast is one of the uh, co-owners as the event. So he was there as well. And yeah, for some reason, the event manages to attract the, uh, the biggest creators in the world. And was quite big. I think it was about 1,600 participants was being held at the Marriott near the airport. And um, I went there with our dear friend Shalma NYC, our dear friend Ari Smith, whom we also work with. And uh, it was really fun. So I'm going to tell with you some of the things that happened at that event, uh, some of our takeaways, and then I'm going to make a transition to the question that we started this episode with. I'm going to share with you some examples that I've seen in the industry and uh, eventually also a case study of how we have helped somebody to rely less on their personal brand and um, yeah, really build a future-proof creator business or a creator empire, if you will. All right, so went to LA, went to Vet Summit, was there with Ari, which was great because... Everybody recognized Ari, and he was being approached like every every three minutes. Um, so it was really yeah. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to go to an event and you you you're shy, then go with somebody who's extrovert or with somebody who knows a lot of people, or to somebody who a lot of people know. And that was uh, that was what happened when we were there. So it was just really interesting to see what kind of people uh, approached Ari. Um, sometimes, you know, you think like, okay, these are these are little fanboys. And then you ask, like, okay, so what do you do? And then they flip out the phone, they show the YouTube channel, and they, they turn out to have like 5 million subscribers. So it was a great way to, like, if you want to network with other, with other YouTubers, then, uh, yeah, Vid Summit is probably the best event in the world to do that. Um, was lots of fun. The talks were actually quite interesting. Usually I find that, you know, you do not really go to the conference for talks, right? You go for the social aspects, for the networking. I think the, the, the talks are actually quite good. Um, the best thing about the event was, of course, the, the private party. So on the Thursday evening, was it a Thursday? Maybe a Tuesday evening. The first evening we got invited to um, a private party that was organized by Carrot. Uh, Carrot is a startup in the industry. And um, they have basically created this credit card that is uh, a credit card uh, f- created for creators. And um, yeah, they are hosting these private parties. And um, the owner let us in as well, which was very kind of him. Which, <laughs> and you know, it's just 
cool to be there. It was like um, they turned the... Uh, it was a small room. They turned it into a casino. So there was like poker tables. People were playing pokers, poker. And yeah, some of the biggest names in the industry were all there. Um, so I walked to the bar to order a cocktail. I ordered my old-fashioned. And then all of a sudden I see Noah Kagan standing there. He was also standing at the bar. And Noah Kagan is, if you don't know him, he's... Um, He's the founder and CEO of AppSumo, which is a huge company. They do about $100 million in annual revenue. Uh, he was also the 30th employee at Facebook. Um, he grew up in Silicon Valley. He knows everybody there. Also runs a YouTube channel and a podcast. I've been a big fan of his work. So while I was ordering my cocktail, I saw him sta- standing there like two meters away from me. I thought, wow, that's really cool. So I approached him and said, Noah, I usually don't introduce myself as a fanboy, but this time he was like no no just say hi i say hi he said hey what's up (laughs) as a man this is so cool that you are here um so he he looked at my name he said jan is that dutch i said yeah how do you know he said yeah i see jan and this van der thing he said it's dutch right yeah so okay so how's life how's life for you what, what, what do you do? I, I told him about what we do at Creator Smarts and with Creator Empires. He was really interested. And they said, yeah, we work with people like, like Ari. He said, you mean Sharma? I said, yeah, have you seen his work? <laughs> and uh, he had actually seen some of his videos. So I did an intro there and we talked for a bit more. But then it got quite busy. And um, just so many interesting people. And that was only the first evening, right? The second evening got even crazier because we talked to uh, A.L. Bauman, um, he was uh, he's a big player in the industry and he was um, he was representing a company called Spotter. Uh, he was also one of the keynote speakers and he asked us if we were invited to the private party. And we said, no, we haven't heard about a private party. He said, well, there's a party tonight. Just send me your names, your full names, and then I will try to get you on the guest list, on my guest list. So <laughs> later that evening... He, uh, he replied, and he said, <laughs> he replied in three messages. He said, tonight, 7 o'clock, then he sent me the address, and then, come. <laughs> so we had no idea what this party was about. Anyway, 7 o'clock, we got in a taxi. We show up at the marina in LA, and apparently a company, uh, spotted a company that he, uh, that he represents, they rented uh, this huge boat with three floors. And on the fo- first floor was a, was a casino, like roulette tables and poker tables. And on the second floor, there was a, a restaurant with a, a dance floor and a, a bar. And then there was the upper deck where people well, was, where you could basically just have a, a drink and chill. And yeah, all the, the VIP, the big players in the industry were basically invited uh, for that party, which was really surreal because... Uh, just walking around that on that boat, it's like you see all the big names. There's so many familiar faces. I was thinking by myself, like if they drop a bomb on this boat, and then tomorrow, tomorrow YouTube is gonna have a, <laughs> a big problem because all the biggest players were here. So there was some crazy networking there, um, which was really, uh, really cool. So if you like the idea of networking with other, with other YouTubers, with the bigger players, um, then Vid Summit is definitely yeah. Uh, an option next year they're going to do it in i think it's going to be in the beginning of october in dallas um yeah i will be there as well i guess so yes so now i'm going to make that transition 
talked to lots of creators and other people in the industry and a question that I that I always ask is what are what are what are some of the things that you're struggling with right because if you know what the pain points are in the market you can come up with a solution and that's essentially how you build a business and i was talking to this uh, to this person and she works at a, as um, head of marketing for uh, a startup in the industry and i told her about what we do and she said wow that's 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 really smart and she said i really believe in it um, I told her that we basically help creators build course businesses. Should say creators and publishers, right? Not everybody uh, identifies as a creator. And um, she said, "Well, that's that that's really smart, and I 100% believe in it. But the thing that we hear most from the majority of the creators is, I want to scale in a way that doesn't require me to be on camera." So if we don't come up and we say, yeah, you should create courses and build a course business. It's kind of the thing that they don't want. <laughs> they don't want more work. They don't want to shoot all the courses. Um, and they don't want all this additional headache, right? Which I thought was really interesting. And I actually had a, uh, had a conversation with Nusai Yassin, the founder of Nas Daily. And uh, last year they launched a, a company called Nas Academy and we talked about his experiences with that and he was he was telling me more or less the same thing and I thought that was really interesting because I mean the whole idea of creating a course is you record it once you sell it forever right so why not take the time to do that instead of recording another YouTube video and I also thought of myself, okay, if you if you don't want to rely on YouTube, then the solution is to build external uh, traffic sources and build a proper business, build a mailing list, build courses, build digital assets that you can use for the rest of your life. Um, but for some reason, I don't know about you, but if you are if you are in the if you've been listening to this podcast. I think you are familiar with the idea of building an online course business, but this is not mainstream yet. I think things things are going to change next year when YouTube is going to introduce that feature where you can basically sell um, courses on YouTube in the form of a play, playlist. I think by that time, the, the market is going to mature and... Uh, creators in general are going to be more familiar with the idea of selling paid content, uh, creating courses. Um, you know, there's going to be that pain point because yes, now they can sell courses directly on YouTube, but they need to give YouTube a 30% commission. They're not going to get any customer data, right? So that's probably um, a good thing, at least uh, for, for us. Um, but yeah, I think that the overall sentiment about creating assets on the back of YouTube of YouTube is um, is something that people are going to talk about more okay so let's let's brainstorm a few solutions for this problem right I want to scale a business but I don't want to be on camera now this one the first one here is going to sound really stupid bit a bit silly but you know you can <laughs> you can just take a take a break maybe you've worked a bit maybe you've worked too much 
and take a break. There's so many people who have done this. We have Nate in our inner circle who talks about it quite often on his YouTube channel, Channel Makers. He's been growing really fast, but creating YouTube videos, creating content in general can feel like you're stuck on a hamster wheel, right? You need to keep pushing our content every single week or multiple times per week, whatever whatever your content schedule is like. Um, and you can just take a break and it won't hurt the algorithm. It has been proven over and over again. So maybe start that. Take a break, uh, get some perspective on things and think about what you find so stressful about creating content. Is it the kind of content that you create? Is it the, is it the pressure? Um, maybe you can need some help. So that brings us to partial, I'm not going to call it a solution, but a partial solution number two, and that's by hiring people, right? So what is the thing exactly? So when you say, I want to scale in a way that doesn't that doesn't require me to be on camera, what exactly does it mean? Does it mean you still find being on camera, but you just don't want to do all the work? You don't want to do the publishing, you don't want to do the video editing, you don't want to do the script writing, or... Don't you just don't want to be on camera at all? It's a question you should ask yourself, right? Because you can, I mean, I know so many YouTubers who grow, who grow really quickly and they only spend like an hour per week, probably even less, on their YouTube channel and they have an entire production team that does the research, that create all the videos, uh, I mean, that, who write all the scripts. We sent you the scripts. The only thing you need to do is sit on the chair, read the script, maybe record some B-roll, and then they take care of the rest. They take care of the thumbnail, the video editing. I think Marina Mogilko, whom we had, uh, whom we've had on the podcast, uh, well, once actually, I think she has a very good process um, for this. She talks about it on the podcast as well. I'm not sure what episode it is, but yeah, just search for her name here in the podcast app. And there's so many other creators who are doing a similar thing. And that way, everything just becomes much more sustainable, right? That also enables you to run multiple channels. You know, if you want to diversify, you can have your main channel that relies on you. But then, you know, it could be a good strategic decision to diversify and create multiple channels. And that's what we see with Mr. Beast, for example. He has his main channel, but then he also has channels like Beast Reacts where he just reacts to, well, to funny digital content, to funny videos, basically. And he doesn't need to do anything. The only thing he needs to do is once per, I don't know how often he does it, but every, let's say every week he shows up and the team has done all the work. He needs to sit on the the chair and react to all the content and that's it. The team takes care of the rest. I think Graham Stephan or Ali Abdul are other examples. They have the main channels. But they also have their podcast channels and they have their own podcast and they have people on their team who help them run that podcast. They invite the guests. They make the appointments with the um, well with the guests that they interview. Uh, they take care of the video editing, the title, basically the entire production, right? So that's another, it's not a solution. I would say this is only going to work. You need to have a really big channel for that, at least multiple million subscribers, right? You need to have a really strong personal brand otherwise people are not going to care about how you how you react or what you talk about on your podcast unless unless you somehow manage to get on interesting guests or unless you really have some yeah interesting content to share right otherwise it's probably 
um, a better idea to just double down on the main channel. I think another example here of somebody who, who found a, a pretty good solution or somebody who doesn't rely on, on, on his personal brand is Jake Tran. Um, I've do- talked to James, to Jake quite a few times now. He's doing something really interesting. So he's making all these documentaries and he's doing the, the voiceover of, well, at least the beginning, like the introduction part the introduction of every video he also shows himself at the end of the videos he does some stuff on instagram maybe on other platforms but i think it's yeah i think it's an interesting example because it is like the, the channel is not really about him it's more about the documentaries but it's still it's it's still is <laughs> not really a business brand it's uh, it's a per- it's a good mix of a personal brand and a business brand so that could be another way to do it all right if you don't want to be on camera, well, somebody like Jake Tran doesn't need to be on camera. Um, now, another question to ask yourself. So when you say that, I don't want to be on camera, like, do you, does it mean that you really don't want to be on camera at all? Because if that's the case, and that's perfectly fine, then maybe, maybe being a YouTube creator is not the right career for you. I mean, I've created videos on YouTube for actively for about five years um, until three years ago. And it was never really my thing. I knew that I needed to do it in order to get traffic for the website that I was running. But at the end, I noticed that it was just not, it was just not for me. Um, So I just stopped. And I started using my skills in another way. So that could be uh, maybe an extreme solution. Um, maybe you still want to be on camera. I mean, you started. For some reason, you started, right? And if you're good at it, then maybe you can just keep doing what you're doing, but maybe a bit less. Maybe you produce a video once per month instead of once per week. Maybe you make it a little bit more about a bit, a bit less about you, but more about the methodology if you are in education or about the theme. Uh, look at Lingoni. Uh, we also interviewed L- uh, Jenny from Lingoni and she started a channel many years ago where she was teaching German. And then she was growing and growing and growing. And then essentially she changed the name of her channel from, I think it was German with Jenny, into... Lingoni, and then she brought on other people who are now uh, teaching in her videos. So it's more about the brand than about her as a personal brand. Peter Galante from Innovative Language did something similar, right? He started out as a podcast host where he was teaching people Japanese, and now he has like 34 YouTube channels, apps, podcasts for 34 different languages, and he isn't in any of them. Um, so he made that transition from being a personal brand to being a business brand. I think another interesting case study of somebody who who's a bit like Jake Tran, who's in between, is, is Paddy Galloway, um, who we also had on the show. So he makes all these videos where he basically breaks down how certain YouTubers, the secrets of... Uh, some of the fastest growing YouTubers in the world. He analyzes their videos. He does like explainer videos that are animated. So yes, it's his voice. 
Um, but eventually, you know, somebody else, you, you could have somebody else who, who does the research, who creates the videos. It's about productizing your personal brand by creating a style or a certain methodology and then taking on other people. And you don't even have to do this on your main channel, right? You can produce a video on your main channel as, as often as you want. And then on the site, you can keep building, you can build all these external traffic sources. But as you know, traffic is only one part of the equation, right? Something else that we can do. So um, I'm quickly, I'm going to walk you click, quickly through the process that we use at Creator Empires to build a future-proof creator business that doesn't rely on the person, on the creator himself, right? So three steps. Step number one, first of all, we monetize the personal brand. This works best for somebody who's in the education space, right? Because if you teach something on YouTube, you have an audience with people who want to learn something from you. So you figure out what exactly they want to learn from you, what they like about what they like about your teaching or about your personal brand, you give them what they want in the form of, it could be a course, it could be a masterclass, it could be like a, it doesn't have to be 100% educational, it can also be like an entertainment-driven course, like a masterclass or a Skillshare. Um, so that's what you do. Figure out what they want, create a good offer, and you sell it to them. That's usually the, the most, the lowest hanging fruit for people in education to make more money, right? You build a mailing list, you send traffic from YouTube to your mailing list because you want to have traffic that you own. Not traffic that you earn, you want to create traffic that you own in the form of a mailing list because that's where people buy, that's where you connect with them in an intimate way. Um, and that's just where people buy. Yes, you can do shout outs and people will buy a hamburger if you do a shout out at one of your videos, but if you're trying to sell higher ticket products, uh, you know, for a few hundred bucks, maybe even a few thousand, then selling over email is going to be way more powerful with all the people we work with, not with all of them, but for most of them, we, we, well, we, we can just see the statistics and we can see that 50 to 90% of sales are generated by email marketing. Um, and yes, we do shout outs across the board on all the channels directly, also on the mailing list. The majority always comes from email marketing. So that's what you do first. Do your research, you get your traffic off YouTube on a mailing list, you create a product, you sell that product to your list. That's how you properly monetize your personal brand, right? All right, now once you've done that, you can create a business brand. For example, and this is something that we've been doing with, with Selma. All right, so we start here, like when we started working together, he already had a, he already had a course. It was a Chinese course because he goes to <laughs> Chinatown and he surprises like a white guy and he surprises the people there with fluent Chinese, right? So he put a course together, he started selling that and it did pretty well. But then we did a survey and we figured out that his audience was actually interested in learning all kinds of languages. And then he was like, yeah, shit, but, you know, how can we create courses on all, 
for all those other languages if I don't speak the language. I said, man, we make it about the method, not about you. Right? So that's where we started building the business brand. And we made sure that the business brand was 100% aligned with, with, with his personal brand. So um, I can go a bit more in depth um, on that in the next episode where we can where where I will share this uh, this case study. Um, but yeah, we basically build this new brand for language courses, right? Which we called Three Smart Languages, and then we use the personal brand to promote the new course business, right? So that's step number two, and then step number three is you start building external traffic sources. And that's what we started doing for Street Smart as well. Last month, we started a channel called Street Smart Spanish, where we interview um, people in Latin America on the streets. We ask them interesting questions, thought-provoking questions. We add subtitles in both uh, Spanish and English so that Spanish learners are going to find it useful. And then we send them to the course business. Right, so the idea is, again, we monetize a personal brand first, we reinvest profits into building a business brand, and then once we have the business brand, we use those profits to invest in external traffic sources. And that's how you build a creator business that's future-proof, and it's going to take a few years to build this empire. I would say at least three to five years. But then in three to five years, if the creator wants to go on a holiday for one year or wants to only produce one video per month, it doesn't matter anymore because the traffic comes from all kinds of different resources, right? You can also use some of the profits and sponsor other YouTube channels to promote your product. There's so many possibilities there. So... Um, yeah, I hope to have inspired you today, give some ideas of a future vision for yourself because being a creator it can be tiring. I get it. But sometimes doing the difficult thing, which is building this empire, can actually be the solution. Now, it can be tricky, it's a lot of work, and that's why there's companies like us because we do it all for you. And uh, the only thing you need to do is send traffic and we do all the rest. All right, that's it for this week. I hope that you managed to get some inspiration from this episode. Maybe you have a, maybe you can start thinking about a future vision for your YouTube channel or your creator business. And um, if you think we can help them, reach out because we're always happy to talk to people like you. That was it for this week. Ciao.